Hello, ladies and gentlemen of YouTube and of Twitch and maybe of Spotify. Will I upload it on Spotify? I don't know. The thing is, I don't like uploading it on Spotify because I get nothing from it being on Spotify. But then, at the same time, I don't get much from YouTube either. So maybe I should just make it easy for people to watch and then whatever comes, comes. Should I put it on Spotify? I can put it on Spotify. Screw it. I put it on Spotify. For you guys. Hello from Cyprus. Hello from Germany. We are streaming live from Germany. I'm in a village. Uh, as always, we have no intention of talking about my off-season or Fnatic off-season. Uh, for sure, uh, this is not... This is not... Uh, the place where you will ever hear information first. This is not Keemstar. This is not LEC Wulu. I'm no journalist. I have no intention in spilling the beans like my name is Doin Bean. Alright? Uh, I have no intention of that. So if you're looking for juicy, juicy drama, juicy, fresh, dank information, this is not the location for it. Here, we discuss information publicly available, which brings us to a very good topic that I'm sure people are going to ask me about. Uh, the off-season. So we have some rumors. We have XL Oduamne. What does XL Oduamne mean? That means Finn is out of XL. Oduamne just won the split with his team Rogue. Uh, did okay at the World Championship. As, as good as he could in the context of how, you know, the Western teams got brutally beaten uh, by, uh, of course, the Eastern teams. Uh, but it is what it is, you know. I think Odoamne is a stellar building block. Uh, I think he is a good signing. I'm personally, you know, a big fan of Wunder and players like Kavoshard because they fit uh, in a mold of what I believe is a complete... Uh, Top laners, but at the same time, you know, I've never personally worked with Oduamne, so obviously I have a little bit of bias here. Uh, the man has had a very long and illustrious career, and is definitely one of the all-time greats when you think of European top laneship. I remember back in Season 3 when I was smacking my balls on this guy's forehead when he was just a child, and now he's dominating, he won the split, uh, you know, this was back in, in Season 3. Back when I was in Heimerdinger's Colossi. Uh, but our team was super, super stacked. And I was also super stacked at the time. Uh, especially because, you know, we were all better than Challenger Series level. And uh, then he sprung up to the scene with the H2K roster. With, of course, Proli. And you have Ryu. And that whole squad with Yarnan and Kassing. You know, that was a very exciting start. And Oduamne uh, did also uh, pretty decently at the World Championship with his Fiora, I remember. Had long history in H2K and uh, last year finally won his first LEC title. Uh, it's a strong signing uh, for, for XL. Interesting, you know, XL, uh, Patrick, if he's going to stay, I think he's a decent AD carry. They lost Mickey X. Uh, you know, the general fandom might not be too hyped on Mickey X, but Mickey X, you know, I think he was the hottest uh, prospect uh, in terms of uh, supports uh, in this offseason. Um, you know, Mickey has great relations with uh, most players and um, 
Signing Mickey uh, also signs you a great AD carry, right? Mickey comes with the package of many AD carries that want to play with him. And it seems like G2 have gotten Hansama Mickey caps as a core, which is very valuable, very strong uh, coming into an offseason because, um, you know, if there's going to be big competition for a player like Elioya after uh, his uh, two years at Mad Lions, uh, the bigger argument you can have, Mickey poses an argument, Hans Sama caps, they all pose big arguments. Uh, this is how you win off seasons, uh, by finding the big pieces that will make the dominoes roll. Dr. Fox PhD, thank you so much for giving five tier one subs to the community. We appreciate you, and so do uh, you know all the people in the chat as well that managed to grab their hands on a little sub. They're very happy to do so. Yeah, the, the big thing will be if if Idiot stays in Mad Lions, whatever's gonna happen to him, you know. Um, I could see a world where if G two managed to uh, get themselves a um, Caps, Mickey, Hansama, Elioya, that will be the team to beat, you know. Obviously, signing the biggest name, the biggest players is not uh, everything, you know. There's a challenge in uh, making everything work. And um, with that in mind, you know, uh, you just have to start somewhere, right? Build a foundation. And if that's the rumor G2 roster, that looks like a strong damn foundation. And will be exciting to see them compete and potentially compete against them if this comes to fruition. Uh, Mickey is a huge signing, Hassan is a big signing. Uh, what else do we have in this offseason? There was some talk about Jankos and his contract being expensive. Uh, and um, he's not sure if he's going to find a team coming into the next season. Jankos is a fantastic asset. I think in terms of the brand he built for himself, he also uh, secured himself a lot of time. He can make a choice that makes sense for him. He is not rushed to just play to play. Uh, he is a player that is, uh, you know, has a foundation and potential to do anything he wants in life. He can choose to play, he can choose not to play, he can do whatever he wants. Uh, I think Jankos is a very exciting player, brings a lot of experience to the table uh, that not a lot of players have in his position. Because the jungle role, uh, you know, it's hard to stick around in the jungle role. If you think about what junglers uh, played... Like, if we look at the list of jungles that played three years ago, just as an exercise. Let's let's pull it up, okay? I'm going to pull it up. Leaguepedia. Leaguepedia, we're going to go to season, let's say 2018. All right? 2018, we're going to go to uh, EULCS. And we're just going to look at the, the teams. Spring season. All right, we're going to pull it up. We're going to pull it up on the screen. Uh, I don't remember this. Is this Gilius? No, we have Pride. Alright, Pride. Was Pride really playing? Fnatic had Broxa. G2 had Yankos. Giants Gaming had DJ Oko. Joko. H2K had Shook the Cook. Santorini. Cathedral. They had a long list of junglers. Misfits Gaming. Maxlore. Splice it up with Xerxes. Oh, Xerxes came back. He came back from the dead, yeah? Team Rocket, Memento. Team Vitality, Gilligan. Mr. Gilius himself. And Cold. 
And if you look at the players that have stuck around and competed at the highest level, you know, the go-to name of in, in these names is, of course, Jankos, right? And this guy has competed even further back. We can go further back. We can go way back, all right? We can go back to 2015 even. Let's take a look at the jungle names that are, that are around then. Let's take a look at that. Spring season. Gamers 2, man. What the fuck? EU CS Spring. I want EU LEC, please. This one. Alright, and then we press Spring Season. Copenhagen Wolves. We have Airwax, who went on to become a Fortnite pro. This guy was smurfing in Fortnite. Elements. We have Shook the Cook. Okay. Fanatic. Rainover. Currently coach for Mad Lions. Gambit Gaming. Diamond. Got screwed over by Visa things. Very sorry for him, but he stuck around for quite some time, considering how far back his tenure stretches, right? Giants Gaming, Frederick. We had Frederick. H2K, Lulex, that gambling addict Lulex. He was a classic, classic person. He was very fun to hang around. This team, we were sharing an office because I was in Rocket in summer. We were sharing an office with this team. And we were all chain smokers. We would go outside between the scrims and we would blow our brains out with, uh, of course, um, cigarettes. And then we would go to casino together. Meet you makers. Horo. My boy Horo. Legend. This team is the team that I worked with. Uh, Horror was a legend, and this team, I don't even want to start the amount of fucking drama we went through with this team as CBA. SK Gaming, Svenskeren. Now, Svenskeren stuck around for, 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 some, for some time. He stuck around for some time. Team Rokat, there we have Jankos. Jankos, Dankos, and then Kikis. And once again, Jankos stands tall. Jankos has been around for such a fucking long time. 5.5 fucking K, dude. Yes, indeed. The, like, I look at these rosters and I see history. I see Forgiven getting banned out at IEM. I see them, I see by far. I see Enrated chilling out, man. There's so much fucking history. Freddy 122 winning in Rogue. What a legend, man. You know? Crazy. Yeah, Noxiak is coaching now. Game of Legion. Bro, Noxiak, he was too funny, man. Uh, Noxiak, I loved him. You know, he was he was a really funny dude. And when he came to the to the gaming house, he's like, uh, could you give me a cigarette? So this was back when I was smoking. I was like, do you smoke? He's like, no. Like, I give him the cigarette. And then he says no while he grabs the cigarette. And I see how he's holding the cigarette. My man's holding it like it's the fucking... It's a fucking... I don't know, COVID test that someone has used or some shit, you know? He's holding it like this. And my man's, um, he's uh, fucking, he was smoking it, you know? And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, you're picking up smoking now. He's like, yeah. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're pick up, picking up smoking now? Don't smoke if you, you didn't start smoking. He's like, oh, but I'm bored. Like, you're bored? Bro, if you're bored, buy a Rubik's Cube or like, go, go on YouTube. What do you mean pick up smoking when you're bored? Come on, Noxiak. And this man was a legend on Leona, man. What a blessing. I feel bad from this bet, man, because I joined two teams. And on two different teams, 
I replace the man. I feel very bad because he is one of the purest souls out there, man. Truly. Okay. And we have Hilly Sang, of course. Legend Hilly Sang, you know. Well, keep in mind, back here, Perks wasn't playing. Caps wasn't playing. How crazy is that? But back to the initial point, Jankos is a player in a role that is very difficult to, to maintain form in has maintained very good form and i think Jankos has an, uh, earned enough credit to you know be a horse that you should be willing to bet on in terms of pro producing results and at the same time this guy is going to be smart enough to pick a team that is actually you know good for him that is dank by the way man 18 and 0 split okay so I think that's all the off-season rumors, right? We have nothing else to co cover. What do we move on to to, to now? Uh, oh, shit. I feel like my chair is about to break. Bwipo's rookie year. Bwipo's rookie year. The man went to world finals. <laughs> oh, man. He got hired by Fnatic to be the sub. So as breaks his hand and Bwipo... Win spring split goes to MSI. They play some decent games at MSI, but ended up not playing so good in the best of five. And then they go to the absolute world finals. Absolutely crazy. And in the world finals, my man played in the world finals. Yeah, we're being allowed to explore options. I think. I think Bwipo Jungle, man, Bwipo Jungle is absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. I think Bwipo's Jungle, man. Bwipo. The Bwipo. The Bwip. Okay. I guess we move on. We move on. Enough off-season talk. Uh, there was this uh, drama uh, with LS and Night Blue. I think it's important, you know, um, I, I think with the information available to me. So it's, it's important that we allow ourselves to change our mind if new information comes to light, right? Because you can't expect anyone to have access to all information. But with what I've perceived so far, it seems like Night Blue is not in the wrong here. And it seems like... Uh, you know, from, from what my understanding is, is that LS has a very certain view of uh, Night Blue that he do is not willing to shake, which I think is unfair. I think it's important to give everyone a chance to change and also to improve, uh, which seems to be what Night Blue is trying to, to do. Uh, in that clip that I saw, it doesn't matter how bad the Graves was playing, it doesn't matter how bad the Sona is playing, like, this is not really relevant to the conversation. The fact is, was that Night Blue was accused of, of doing something that he didn't do, and uh, the intent of the Sono player seemed to be very malicious, and she kind of framed it in a very different light. Uh, that's something that is very common. I've seen this from, from people that are in solo queue. They try to, like, uh, I don't know, they try to, like, bring people down. Uh, I've seen this type of behavior from, from other people, too. I remember when there was the... The guy who, who uh, of course, um, you know, we had a similar situation with the, with the guy from, from uh, I believe, Schalke, right? 
and he, he basically the guy from Schalke he called someone subhuman right and and basically he made that the person who reported him is a person uh, that is a person that uh, no one in entire US SOLOQ likes like this person is was was is behaving uh, terribly I don't remember the name the name doesn't really matter and this this person was trying to frame it in a way that this this guy from Schalke was was bad and was doing things with bad intent when in reality when you looked at the truth of that game uh, the person who is pointing the fingers was the person doing uh, the wrongdoing here and it seems like this this Sona player she has very little to risk right because she doesn't have uh, a fan base and and so forth so she just made this accusation and got a lot of clout for it and I think I think it's important all of this right it's like I think it is fair what Nightblood did right he was just self muting with the word whore he wasn't calling anyone whore uh, there is the possibility that if someone sees that that uh, of course someone is going to misinterpret that because inherently. Uh, using the word whore to, to self-mute is a bit, uh, you know, it isn't like the greatest thing because someone could see that and misinterpret that. So there is, you know, uh, like so, uh, an opportunity to misunderstand that. But I think beyond that, you know, the conversation that occurred was very bad. You know, it was framed in a very bad way. It turned into attacking form. And I think the moment the clarification occurred, uh, everyone should have just stepped off, apologized. Okay. I understand this makes sense move on you know and that's it and I think it's clear that this uh, the sona person was just instigating was just fucking around and and that's it you know and then it blew up uh, way big time and I think it's important you know uh, people have made mistakes in the past and they try to you know make amends they try to do better I remember there was some past drama with night blue and it seems like he's trying very hard to move, move away from that and to do better at least from my limited information and i think everyone should be allowed that opportunity unless they do something that is so so fucked up that they should be you know uh just be disowned by the community you know and i think uh from from ellis's point of view i think it's important to have this stance too because uh like in regards to him right I'm sure people are still bringing up, you know, the thing from the StarCraft days and whatever for him. And, you know, he has tried to make amends with this topic. And I think it's just important to extend that same courtesy to other people. Because he seems to be framing Night Blue in a very particular light in, in regards to things that happened between them or between Night Blue and other people in the past. Right? And I think even though it's, it's relevant, I think you should give people the space to, to do better. Uh, otherwise nothing really makes sense right it's like should you be judged for the one action and the one thing that you do for the rest of your life or should you be allowed to improve yourself and do do better and i think you should just let go uh, like like well, why hold grudges or why take anything personally at all everyone is just moving through life in their own way right uh, Night Blue seemed pretty sincere in that video. Uh, I didn't watch the response from LS, and and beyond that, I really don't care. I think that the the, the Sona person seems to be just an instigator, and LS was fueled by his past view of Night Blue and really uh, attacked him in a charged emotional manner. And then Night Blue did a pretty decent job of of presenting his his side, 
and and with the information available in that video i think it makes sense right he's using the word whore to self-mute nothing else uh like i don't think i think that's i i i would say that uh, i would believe uh, that explanation you know with the proof of doing it in the past and the conversation he had with the player that showed them that you could self-mute like that and so forth uh, the only thing the only like side note is that if you do that on stream maybe someone without the context is going to interpret it wrong right but it seems like from what i understand that the sona player just was uh, trying to you know make night blue look bad right and get some some twitter mentions off of it you know to stir up some drama and the reason is i've seen this shit so many times from from like people in solo queue that uh, have nothing better going on for them they they instigate drama and they try to frame you know people that are in pro play like they are basically trying to attack their livelihood somehow uh, through a solo queue game right i've seen that behavior even back from season two where you would get target entered you would get ddosed or you would you know the moment you would have like a slip-up moment then they would try to frame it uh, like frame it in a way like uh, uh, it is it, it, night blue night blue not knowing that the player is a is a girl has nothing to do with it right because because you you shouldn't need to know the gender of someone to treat them good or treat them bad like it's not like if, if that was a guy and he called them whore that doesn't really change anything in my mind right it doesn't make like that that aspect of it really uh doesn't change the 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 situation for me in my in my perspective right i understand that you know women go through a lot of hardships playing online that that men don't go through right it's it's a very different experience it's a very different experience uh but um you you should generally speaking treat everyone similarly right you 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 should just like i'm not going to treat someone different in game just because i know it's a girl or if i know it's a guy it does have to do with the accusation yes but i'm just making a different point right? but yeah i think i've set my my side on this topic uh, i don't think there's anything more to add i hope that they both can find peace because uh um but for ls is what 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 was triggering because ls was wondering if night blue would self-mute in game with him with three letter words starting with f uh, but that's that's just a straw man right that's like not uh that's just a straw man argument right like 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 sure if 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 Night Blue had a history of choosing the word that would get him self-muted very specifically to the people he was playing with, that would be very different. But he has a history of using the word whore specifically. And I repeat, you when you use a word like this to self-mute, you open yourself up to interpretation because we didn't have all of this context that Night Blue provided, right? And that's why it's important not to jump to conclusions, right? But yeah, uh, we continue. Uh, another topic uh, that ha uh, that occurred was uh, the whole uh, streaming thing. Uh, I didn't watch Saikuno's response. Be 
and I thought that we could watch it together. Let's watch it together. Let's just jump. Let's just let's go right in the news. I am gonna be busy. <laughs> let's take a look at Sakuno's uh, response. So basically, uh, the gist of it is that uh, Riot announced that they're going to offer co-streaming rights to uh, in the specific streamers uh, that have a large uh, fan base uh, in. A specific language so I believe there's a Korean stream I believe there's a Chinese stream I believe there's a Spanish um, stream and I believe Sakuno is specifically the English stream. I think there was a fifth stream but I don't remember which language that was maybe it was French potentially uh, who knows uh, basically there was backlash you know in, in my mind my first initial reaction was uh, let's just pull up the the news post uh, co-streaming worlds 2023 uh, 2022 sorry Oh shit, I'm even in, in the news. What is this, man? I'm in the news post. Alright, so this is the news. Announcing Worlds 2022 co-streaming. November 5th, live from San Francisco. For the first time, our Worlds Finals broadcast will be co-streamed live from a very few special guests. Alright? So we have Korean, Korean, I believe Chinese, English, and Spanish. This is what it says, right? So I believe they chose personalities with, with pretty big uh, uh, fan bases. And my initial reaction was, it's good business, right? Because in my idea, right, if, if we're going to do this limited, right, if we're going to do this limited, we should target audiences that might not necessarily want to watch the World Championship, right? That is my state of mind. Because if you... If you think about the players that would watch my stream or my co-stream, I will dominate co-stream, Ellis's co-stream, anyone's co-stream, these are these are people that are gonna watch the World Championship regardless. Right? They're gonna watch the World Championship regardless. Why Biden? Because the man has, has an audience the size of a fucking I don't know. I, like Ibai, like Ibai is one of the most famous people in, in, in all of esports. He's, he's a legend. I don't know too much about the middle three, so I apologize for that. But Saikuno is also, uh, like, it's not like he never played League, Saikuno. And it's not like Ibai is not, com he's not completely unrelated to League, right? And they're just offering, right, a, a different viewing experience for people that might not potentially want to watch the World Championship, right? Uh, the, the main thing is uh, something that I wanted to add to this conversation is in order for Riot to um, get the most amount of viewers for a world championship, it needs to be accessible, right? Not a lot of people, not, not the majority of the, on the, of the viewership are going to be more accustomed to the cast that happens, uh, you know, on the mainstream. Uh, and then there's a part of the audience that doesn't care for the mainstream and the commentary that happens there. And they want to have more in-depth analysis and they want, uh, you know, uh, the, the vibe to be more raw and more, uh, you know, reaction heavy and not like, uh, you know, corporate, so to speak. You know, they want it to, you know, they want to have... Uh, personalities in the community just uh, give their opinion about what's going on uh, on the stream and this is one part of the uh, the, the, the viewership and and if you have um, another part basically in my mind you invite 
parts of the audience that maybe just want to hear Ibai uh, watch the World Championship to watch the World Championship too. So in my mind, this is just good business. Because this action might make people that wouldn't watch the World Championship watch the World Championship. That's the same thing like if you think of uh, games, right? If you think of League of Legends, League of Legends, if you only had ranked in League of Legends, the player base would be a lot smaller, right? Some players like to play custom games with their friends, 5v5. Some people like to play flex queue. Some people like to play TFT. Some people like to play Aram. Some people like to play 3v3, but that audience was way too small to, to support. So they cut and killed the idea. Same thing for fucking uh, Scanner's hometown. Uh, what the fuck was it called? I don't remember the name of it. So, so we Dominion. Dominion was the name, right? So, so they are trying to to cover as many bases as possible, to to invite and cover as 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 many uh, areas as possible, right? Like it's the same thing with the Riot MMO. Like the Riot MMO is going to be released with PvP, with PvE. It's going to have many different aspects to cover uh, many different, uh, you know, niches of what people are going to like. And I think this is a fair point. So it's keeping the people happy who grind for your core audience day in and day out. There isn't a reason they couldn't have done both. That is true, right? But where do you stop, right? Where do you uh, where do you cross the line? Um, where do you cross the line of like who 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 would get it? Okay, who would get it? Does everyone get it? Who would get it? What if it was a bad business decision? Are we going to take it back next year? Next year it won't happen because because Riot felt like it was a bad business decision and. There was a net negative in terms of how uh, the World Championship was perceived. Are they going to take it away? The backlash would be extreme, right? I am playing the devil's advocate, okay, from Riot's side. I, I am friends with Tom. I, I would love to have co-streaming rights, right? I would love to have co-streaming rights. I would love for I will dominate to have co-streaming rights. I have lots of love for I will dominate, really. I want to stream to be the best way possible. But I'm playing the devil's advocate from Riot's perspective, right? If you make a business decision, right? this is what makes sense to me. I want to tap into newer audiences. I want to get access to newer audiences and I don't want to extend the risk because right now I'm gaining exactly what I want to gain from certain people in the community. Right? LS, I will dominate all of us, we're going to watch the World Championship already guaranteed. So we don't need to be given more. But there is a point here that Monte Cristo is doing, right? Is that there is a benefit in keeping and encouraging the people that are doing so much for your game to be happy. I understand this point and I think this rings true. But I also think that for a lot of us League people... Our brands are synonymous with the game. Like we are tied with the game. 
Now we would have to work very hard to make ourselves, uh, make ourselves, uh, you know, be successful in the context of other games and without League of Legends. So we are like rooted into it, you know. Yeah, a riot has all the power in the situation. And they don't feel the interest to give away that power. But I have to say, first and foremost, if anyone's giving any of these people shit, they are very silly. Very silly. They have nothing to do with this decision. Getting these guys in... I think is a good decision. Uh, the the topic of uh, LS and I will dominate and the rest of the co-streamers is is a different conversation, right? And I think there is where I am not so sure how it would impact the numbers or if giving given like if 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 you give the, the the tricky thing is if if you give it once this year it will be expected for the next years. So it's like a big jump. Right? It's a big commitment to make. Here, they don't need to reinvite these five guys next year. There's, there's no commitment here. They chose five people and, and there's no commitment. The main thing, the, the main question would be, it's like, what would, uh, It's just just on my end it's like the, the the beneficial gain for riot of giving co-streaming rights to to the people that uh, that co-view the events would be to 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 give it would be like a, a a token of goodwill right i don't know what what is required to to set it up i don't know the details of the deal as well with the north american um the north american uh, co-stream uh, situation Right, they have to show the stream with the advertisement, and they figure out the way to to find like like a balance. But but why did North America go back and only make certain weeks uh, co-streamable? Why did they make 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 it like this? I imagine that they, there are some metrics, there's some information there that made them take this decision. Right? Maybe there is a certain optic perspective they want to promote for their advertisers or maybe there's certain numbers they want to tap into maybe during certain weeks they were lagging behind in the viewership you know there's, there's, there's a lot of elements here that are at play
he buy and sell Kuna I get, but respectfully I haven't heard shit from the other three. Um, well, I don't know who they are, so like I don't know what to say. Uh, uh, maybe we just Google their names. Ming Yokin. Shit, he's a fucking Olympic athlete, guys. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I can't. I can't find information on them. Sadly, I'm not even trying to search Rita because I. Um, I don't know. It's honestly just business. They want to show it to an audience that is less likely to already watch the main broadcast. It's becoming more common in many games to prioritize non-endemic creators, but the community reactions are the same every time. I think this is this is fair and true. I think you see this, you see you have seen you've seen this take form with K Corp and Koi, right? You had people that didn't give a shit about League that had big audiences. And then decided to make teams in league and brought big ass fucking audiences and exploded the the amount of mentions and interactions that uh, that uh, that you've gotten, you know. Bro, Kamito was pro player ten years ago. Yes, but but guys. You don't get my point. I'm not saying these guys never played League in their life or, or worked with League in their life. That's not what I'm saying. Their audiences were there for them, not for them playing League. Like if I if I start streaming World of Warcraft, right? If I start streaming my Naxxramas runs, I will have even less views than I have now. I have 250. I'm blessed. I'm appreciating it, you know? But if I'm streaming Naxxramas, I'll have 50 people watching. These guys created very big brands they could play they would be playing other games they would do other shit and so forth it's the same it's the same thing as like saying like xqc even though he has a startup in overwatch i wouldn't say that he relies on overwatch he's a creator and anything that he can do he has a big fan base revolving around him right xqc is another good example right like the key thing here is non-endemic creators they're not relying on any specific game they they have ascended the game that they came up with you get me like ibai he was the the goated lvp caster but then the man was fucking hanging out with messi sqc is omega brand risk yes but you get my point you get more my point it's like i don't give a shit about xqc and overwatch Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I, I know that Riot, Riot doesn't like that people are co-viewing their event. They don't like it. But they can't really stop it, right? How, how can you, 
how can you set up a scenario where like you can't you can't ban or punish people for having a fucking clock on the stream right you can't <laughs> they, but they're not happy about it but they didn't pursue anything else and 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 so forth they like it in valorant uh, yeah they seem to take very different approaches and very different decisions in valorant And uh, like like Valorant, Valorant is not at that point where you have hardcore Valorant fans just yet, right? League of Legends has been around for long enough that you have like fucking the old guard, you know, that is secured within the League of Legends uh, uh, stratosphere. So in Valorant, like they are trying to to grab everyone, any anyone they can get, you know. But yeah, I, I don't know the economics and the and the numbers behind everything. But yeah, uh, let's listen to Sakuno's uh, response. For a few days after this, Abe's having his bachelor party. Holy, he has um, a sexy voice. And then I have uh, the League of Legends thing that I'll be going to probably in a few days. So um, I'm going to be busy uh, after that probably. And uh, we'll see what happens. Worlds? Yeah, worlds, guys. Worlds. Um, I mean, I think it'll be fun. But basically, you know, we may as well, we may as well just grow through it while we can. I'm only going to do it once probably. But basically what happened was um, Riot messages me, right? Um, and they're like, hey, do you want to watch Worlds and stream it? And I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. I, I like League of Legends. Um, and that was it. That, that, was, that was it. I'm just going to watch League of Legends with my friend. Yo, they don't pay you. My man. I thought they were giving you bank, dude. I thought you give, they're giving you bank. And stream it. And that's pretty much all I said. Uh, I didn't know it was some kind of big deal. I guess for a lot of other people, it's a much bigger deal. Um, but yeah, they basically just said, hey, you want to watch it? Then watch it with your friends. And uh, that was it. So I do think a lot of people are upset. And uh, I kind of get it. Here's what I do think, though. I think there's basically three types of people in, in this situation. Okay. One is obviously... Um, the people who are just between them and Riot, right? They're like, why doesn't my streamer get to do it? Or why don't I get to do it? And that's pretty fair. I mean, everyone wants to watch it. I did too. That's why I agreed to it. So that's pretty fair. And then there's another group of people who are just really mean. And, well, you can't do much about that. I'm pretty used to it. And then I think the third group of people is what I would say is the most confusing. It's the people who are trying to say, I want to stream it too and they're really bad at explaining that and they write it in a way that comes off like they're attacking me and i don't think they mean it that way so i'd say for like the people who just want the chance to stream it just say you want to stream it too uh, you don't really have to drag me into it i really don't think he's getting paid guys i think that he would admit to it if that was the case i really don't think he's getting paid
doesn't really make too much sense. But I, I understand. I mean, I want to watch it too. It's cool. Um, no, he gets to do content, right? He gets content. That's the trade-off. You get to stream my 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 thing, and I get publicity. That's sometimes a trade. He gets content. It's the same when like Asmongold reacts to uh, a video made by M. Lemon, uh, the art of the joke. He says, "Yo, I'm going to watch your shit. I'm going to post it. I'm going to leave a like, and we have this mutual agreement that both of us are going to benefit. I'm going to provide you with viewership and an exposure, and I'm going to watch your content." Of course he cares about the content. Bro, if you are a streamer, the only thing you care about is content. You just want to have content. You chase content. Bro, why the fuck do you think there's drama every fucking now and then? Because people want content. Bro, look how much content came out of this Night Blue and Ellis shit. Even I'm talking about it. Because people want content. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just a fan of watching League of Legends. It's been for a long time, and um, that's it. I might not be the most hardcore crazy fan, but yeah, they just said, hey, you want to watch? And I said, sure. Um, so I do think for a lot of people who maybe mean it in that way, where like, hey, I just want to stream it too, uh, just say that, you know? Don't, don't say something like, oh, hey, I can't believe Saikuno got it. That's so bad, and I'm like, doesn't really make sense to do that. Just just be honest fair, yeah. and say, hey, I want to stream it too. And maybe you'll get what you want. But, I mean, being mean is not going to help anybody. So uh, that's really all I can say about it. I just feel like it's a lot of people. Uh, Filescu, man, uh, obviously he, he it doesn't feel like super comfortable talking about this topic, right? Like imagine he, he got, got a lot of flame, maybe it gave him anxiety. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't feel like super comfortable talking about the topic, you know, because, you know, he, you slip a word up and, you, and all of a sudden you're going to be framed in a completely different way. Yeah. People are not communicating the way they want to. I think they just want to stream it too. And that's completely understandable. It's pretty cool. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they get what they want. But um, what I really can say, guys, is I had to do it. After they messaged me, you guys know how many, how many zeros were in the offer? How many zeros they offered me, guys? They offered me one zero because I am doing it for free. They just said, hey, you want to watch League of Legends? Uh, and I said, yeah, yeah I'm there a fan. You go. So there's exactly one zero. There, I'm, I just wanted to watch League of Legends with my friends. So um, it's really not as crazy as anybody thinks. It's just they asked me to watch. Yeah, maybe I should get them to say, you know, that's all I'm going to do. So, Bro, I just get on the Sakuna um, cold stream and I just hijack I everything. Think, I don't let anyone uh, talk. Yeah, other people want to stream it and I hope they get that chance. I, but it's not up to me. But that's pretty much all I can say about it. Um, so, Yo, Sakuno. Yeah, I, I think it'll be cool and we're probably going to be watching with some friends, hopefully. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. Other than that, I think we're playing with... Let's see, I think we're playing with Wendy and Abe later. So zero dollars i mean guys i know a lot of people don't believe it but i do like league of legends i yeah i just think it's cool i've been playing for a long time um i don't play ranked as much as i used to I, i'm gonna be totally honest i mostly play like earth and aram these days with corpse but i mean it's still cool to watch and corpse I mean, bro we could we could yo i don't but know yeah, if, I, if I my really voice just comes down to the people. same tier not as like you know and corpse 
but imagine that that Coview. Me, Sakuno, Corpse. That would be mental. That would be something. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think my voice is quite on that level, uh, like uh, like these homies, like like Cope's voice is something else. Uh, but yeah, not explaining very well what they mean when they should just say, "Hey, I'd like to stream too." or I wish my streamer could watch it too. And instead they're saying it, saying like, you know, Saikuno doesn't deserve it, which makes them just come off as mean, because, well, because they are being mean, but. Um, anyway, uh, I think it's better to try and be like, this is what I want, instead of trying to attack other people, pretty much. Anyway, um, I think that's about it. From what I've heard, Lily actually messaged me, because the same thing happened to her when she was choosing a ball. So. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, um, I'm just gonna watch the finals and hopefully enjoy it. All right, I think that's that's a pretty base take. I I, I think there's nothing wrong with Riot inviting these five guys. I think the conversation, if they should have invited more, I think that's a fair conversation to have too. If if LS and Dumb and Reckless and all of these homies that have. Uh, you know, put in a lot of effort uh, over the, the the past years to 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 create content around their game. You know, they should be rewarded of something. Uh, but but the five guys that that got invited, giving them any shit makes no sense. Uh, they wanted to uh, you know cover new audiences and invite new audiences, and I think this is a clever way to do it uh, to extend uh, the partnership program. You know, I, I, I don't know the fine details of it. You know, I, I really don't know if it's a good business decision, bad business decision. All I can say is that most of the people that are going to watch on Ellis's channel uh, or Dominus channel, um, uh, they would have watched Worlds regardless. And you have, you have these guys that um, are non-endemic creators, right? And... This is sadly, not sadly, but this is just the future. It's the same in esports, right? Like, the, the, the traditional esports org is dead beyond the, the organizations that have already established themselves. Right? So, there were, there's the old guard, like Fnatic, G2, C9, TL, you know? Um, these these are the teams that uh, are the old guard of esports. You know they have a good fucking strong brand with very strong fans. They manage to you know succeed in something and really carry the momentum of past victories to create a brand. Nowadays, you know you had so many piss orgs that came and went because they tried to model themselves after these organizations, right? In, a, in an era where you couldn't. Because any old school fan, the fans that are fans of teams, are going to be fans of these organizations. Right? Now, you had this, this period in time where mostly fans were tied to players. And now, you have the future with 
non-endemic creators that are not reliant on games to that expose themselves to League of Legends. And that's why you saw the success of K-Corp. That's why you saw the success of Koi. Non-endemic creators is, is the future. Trying to create these esports orgs, these shitty esports orgs with no fans. You don't, you, like, people don't give a shit about them, you know? Keep the old guard, you know? The, with, the, with the big brand recognition and, and the strong fan bases, right? Like, all of the, the old school fans, most of them are fan of, of Fnatic. Son of, some of them, you know? You have some of those orgs that, that fucked up big time, right? It's like right now, the view of COG is not quite the same as it was in the past. Or the view of TSM is not quite the same as it was in the past. Or, uh, you know. Uh, but Spongolian... Uh, like that's that's the beauty of it. You can uh that you can you can anyone can watch anything. What you find cringe and whatever, you know, a lot of people might like. A lot of people like how free casts. A lot of people love Kobe. A lot of people love the the main broadcast. A lot of people love Emily, Dash, Shocks, you know, this is this is a product with very talented people. But expect that everyone's going to like that? That's a very tough task. And what co-viewing has allowed, what co-viewing has done and co-streaming has invited a, a, a niche audience to give an avenue for them to watch the World Championship. And now they're opening up another avenue of, of, of these non-endemic creators that are not reliant on League to, uh, to also have an avenue where they're going to watch. I remember in the past they had beginner streams that, that parents would watch to be curious about what the fuck their fucking children are up to all day playing League of Legends. What the fuck is League of Legends? Let me have a look, right? So it's, you know, creating more ways of experiencing the same thing is very good. That brings numbers, right? There's a reason, right? For example, one of my favorite games, Bloodline Champions. One of my favorite games is bloodline champions but that game fucking died really fucking fast because you had only one way of playing that game and it was pure pvp if you didn't like pvp you would never fucking play this game and there was balancing issues there were server issues whatever the game died out because it didn't have a big fan base why did world of warcraft have so many players because you could do so many different things in world of warcraft like we in a household would play world of warcraft Three of us, my brother, my mother, and I. So I would do like world PvP. I would be like, I would be my level 60 warrior and I would have so much fun, like killing level 40 people. And like I was a kid, right? Like I was a piece of shit. I was just killing these guys in PvP zones and I was just being a dickhead. I was killing guards and like quest NPCs just to fuck with people, you know? I was, I was a shithead, you know? My mother, she would farm reputation. She would like kill these Forbulgs and Felwood and she would make she would get all the reputation, she would do all the quests, every reputation exalted, she would farm the, the insane, uh, she would farm every achievement, she has every mount, everything. Like I have no interest in this. 
my brother, he would raid, he was sitting there, I remember I was sitting behind him just watching him uh, doing Blackwing Lair and doing uh, Molten Core, you know, we, we all played the same game but we experienced it very different and we were very interested in very different things. And in my mind, that's good business. Uh, it feels like Riot trying to sabotage Coldstream more than help them interact with them. Yeah, well, the thing is, I don't know what the economics of the situations are. I have to admit that. I, I don't know if it's a, a benefit to them or a negative to them. I really don't know, right? Uh, like, I don't know why they made the changes for NA co-streaming. Why did they make these changes? Why? Why did they make it limited? I'm not sure why. Is it a stupid decision that they did it? Maybe it's fucking stupid, right? Maybe it's just it's going to hurt them in the long run. Maybe it gets to the point where I will dominate LS. No one gives a shit about co-viewing legalizers anymore, right? But I think at, at the point where that happens, I think League is already in trouble before that, right? So it's, it's very hard. I, I, I don't know the situa inside-out situation of it, you know? All I know is it would be a difficult conversation to... Um, I, I don't know how it would be uh, in terms of a situation for um, just include more like come on could be yeah. maybe maybe that's like the easiest solution and no no harm would be done right but the thing is that I think it's you you have to frame it different right riveting comment rivet uh, because you need to it's not about who they chose, it's about who they didn't choose. The, the people that they chose, there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. I don't know why they chose uh, the middle three, because I don't know them, so I can't, like, talk about that. But Ibai and Sankyo, you know, these are names that I've seen, uh, you know, that I've come across a couple of times. Could be right. It's like, yeah, we. It's like we. I will dominate LS with like we were just talking shit. <laughs> we were just talking shit. Maybe they don't want to associate themselves with that. Maybe I don't know, bro. When I was on the analyst desk back in season five, me and Monte Cristo, you know what we we were called by right. We we were called by right a toxic cesspool of negativity. That is a mouthful of words. And I was mind blown. Toxic cesspool of negativity. Toxic cesspool of negativity. Bro, it sounds like a fucking line from a fucking movie made by, what's his name? Quentin Tarantino. Samuel L. Jackson. He's, he he cut, stands up, points a gun at you. He's like, toxic cesspool of negativity. I will strike you down with glorious vengeance. And great anger for those who try to poison me and my brothers. For my name is the Lord. <laughs> yes, I was called that. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the thing is, why was Sukuni under? It's not only for you, man. We're talking about millions and millions of people. Millions and millions of people. It's like if you don't have to watch Sakuno, you have many different ways of watching the World Championship. You can watch it with me here on this channel. You can watch it with Sakuno, you can watch it with Ibai. You can watch it in Korean, you can watch it in Chinese, you can watch it with the casters uh, from, from France. You can watch it in many different ways. They're trying to cover as much ground as possible and make it as inclusive as possible, right? And that portion of it is okay. Don't blame the man for just doing agreeing to something. You can always you can watch it without sound, bro. You can watch it without sound. There you go, wonder. Brilliant. Some people watch without sound. Some people watch the vod. You can you can watch it many different ways. It makes so no sense that Riot doesn't center their entire business model around me. Fuck's sake. Bro, is it true? I, I remember when I was playing Dota a long time ago. When I opened Dota, bro, they had a fucking viewing experience, man. They had a viewing experience. You open up the Dota client, you could watch. You could control the mouse in the game. You can click on the right. You could you could choose the casters. You could only listen to the sound of the game. You could You could move the mouse around. In the in the spectate client in the game live, it was so broken, bro. Imagine we had this for league; it would be mind blowing, mind blowing, bro. Some people, some people would legit. That would also that would be an avenue of people, really. Just watch the game with sound, and I could move the camera around, bro. That could be viewership. Put slap some sponsorships on the map. I don't care, man. That would be brilliant, man. Please give me this. Can you imagine how many fucking bugs we'd have on the client if they tried to do that? Oh my goodness, we would have millions and millions of bugs. It would be nasty. Inflex EU, you once helped me with low point two years ago. Thank you truly. Uh, that's one of the nicest things I've heard in a long time. Thank you so much uh, for coming back and, and, and letting me know. Uh, <laughs> Already knowing that I made some kind of positive difference, no matter how small it was for you, uh, that means a great deal to me. So, so thank you, thank you very much. And what else are we talking about today? I'm not sure. Can you give me the Fnatic 2023 roster? Oh my God, real voice, lul. No, I can't say anything about the roster. Uh, let's uh, look at the Q&A or oh wait, there's a very interesting conversation that we could have so there was the big so basically on stream I had a big conversation about Oblivion right and I just wanted to add my two cents to it in the voice of Yamato 2 uh, because I think it's important uh, I like I don't think it's important but it's content so we're gonna do it uh, Oblivion Orb so I was saying on my stream over and over again that the conversation around Oblivion Orb has been framed framed very wrong I said this over and over again guys the conversation around Oblivion Orb has been framed so so wrong 
So let's bring up the facts. I just I'm just gonna give you guys facts. Okay? I'm gonna give you guys bring I'm gonna give you all the facts. I'm going to first change this. Wait, 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 wait. Boom. This is paint. Alright. So I'm gonna give you guys facts. Okay? These are facts. Facts is information that you will use to base your decisions off of. Okay? So, first and foremost, the tooltip is bugged. Overbelievable. That's important to note. Okay? Another thing is, when you buy an item, it can change the play pattern of the opposition. Uh, the easiest example I can give is, let's say you buy QSS. You buy QSS, and then the enemy scanner never ults you again. And then you're sitting there, why on earth did I buy QSS? I never got ulted, so I never got to use it. But you having QSS made the enemy change their play pattern. So in the same way, right? If I am playing Silas against someone with Oblivion Orb, I could potentially change my play pattern knowing that the enemy committed into an Oblivion Orb. Alright? Could happen. Very small detail. Very small detail because we're talking about very limited numbers. Right? Another thing to highlight is when we are looking at Oblivion Orb as an item, it is 800 gold. 800 G, you get 35 AP. Very important 35 AP. Right? Because everyone's only, only saying, yo, look at the healing reduction. But it gives 35 AP, which is pretty solid. Right? And you get 25% Grievous Wound. So if we compare it to similar buys, let's say we say 785 Gs, you also get 35 AP, you get some HP, blah, 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 you get the Dark Seal uh, stack thing. Okay? You have 850 gold. This is the blasting wand, right? 40 AP. We're just comparing the buys. Okay? And then you have, of course, uh, double Amptom, which is 870 gold, 40 AP. Okay. So when we're making this comparison, right? You are in a position where if you compare the power that you gain as you're walking out to lane, the main comparison is the 25% Grievous Wound versus 5 AP. Right? In most contexts here, right? Right? That's the main thing to compare. So in terms of initial power, Grievous Wounds and Oblivion Orb, in matchups where the enemy has Doran Shield, Second Wind, and healing in their kit, uh, you are comparing the Grievous Wounds against 5 AP, and the comparison happens in the idea of how much damage, well, how much healing does Grievous Wound prevent, which is indirect damage, you're doing damage to the opposition, uh, against the 5 AP. Right? And in a lot of the cases where we saw the Oblivion or Buy, in, in many cases, 25% of Grievous Wounds did more damage than the 5 AP, right? But this isn't the only detail of it all, right? It's very important that we, we, we create 
the, the foundation for all of this argument. It is important that we, we talk about this first. Right? You are in a position where grievous wounds... Keep Guys, you're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. We're going to get there. You're just jumping ahead. We're just, we're just bringing up all the facts. So just hold your horses, hands off the keyboard, and let me finish. Okay? Let me finish. So in terms of power, if you only had 800 gold, 850 gold around this area, if you only think about this moment in time, if you want to walk to lane with lane power, Oblivion Orb makes sense in some scenarios. If this is what you want to achieve, right? If you want to walk to lane with power. Okay? If we look at, um, you know, other items that give you cheap power, cheap power that delays your items, right? We may just make a new one, don't save. Cheap, other cheap powers, uh, items that give you power. You have Doran's items, you know, all three of them. Uh, they are very cost-efficient items, right? Uh, stonks. But they don't build an into anything, right? And they are not slot-efficient. If we had endless slots in League of Legends, we would buy 20 Doran's Ring, one Death Cap, one Void Stab, and then we would just keep buying Doran's Rings, right? And then we would make some CDR into there. But if we had endless slots, we would buy so many Doran's items, they would leak out of your bunghole, okay? Doran's item is also an item that you buy for lane strength, right? Corrupting Potion is also one. Right? This is also something that occurs. Uh, other example could be, let's say, uh, a little bit different, right? But in the conversation of delaying Mythic, some people buy Warden's Mail for lane power, right? Some people buy a Serrated Dirk for lane power. We see this with the Lucian players, right? Uh, what else? You have uh, Zeke's Armguard. You, you guys have maybe played a game where you're playing Aatrox against Akali, and the Akali player is buying a Zika's, early Zeke's Armguard with, with not uh, finishing uh, Zonia's. Because Zika's Armguard, when it's fully stacked, is a very cost-efficient item, uh, because it has armor as a statistic, right? It's an item that is strong for lane, and you are delaying other core items, right? These three are a little bit different than these, right? Because they build into things. They build into things. Sometimes Frozen Heart is really OP, right? Uh, Serrated Dirk, maybe there's a collector game that is uh, waiting for you, right? Zika's Armguard, Zonia's Hourglass uh, is, is a good item to finish, right? And on occasion, very rarely, the Morello is, is fine to finish, right? Right? The issue with Morello is that a lot of the, the gold efficiency budget is into 300 HP. In terms of stat allocation, is not the, the thing that you like super, super much. Serrated is the one that I least understand. So basically, Serrated Dirk is a very cost-efficient item. It's the base component for Lethality. I understand that maybe you don't understand it because Lethality is something that scales with levels, right? But... Uh, Serrated Dirk as the amount of AD that you get with it and the just buying longswords 
it is a, a very strong item. So basically, I wanted to to bring this up, right? As as different uh, different potential items that you buy to make yourself stronger in lane. For the longest time ever, there was a situation where uh, you had uh, Bramble Vest was so fucking broken that you just bought it in every lane, right? There was a time where this was so broken. You didn't finish, uh, you didn't finish uh, the the Thorn Mail, but you just bought Bramble Vest because you it was so strong for lane. Is it okay to build serrated on Zed? Of course it is. <laughs> uh, serrated Turk is very good on Zed. <laughs> so with this in mind, you know, why I gave you all of this context is that sometimes you sacrifice uh, your power later on in the game to be powerful, more powerful early. Another extreme example is Elixir, right? Sometimes you purchase uh, 500 gold elixir and approximately elixir has like 1.5k uh, like one point this much gold approximately i don't know the exact numbers i don't want to pull them up right now but it's like 300 percent gold efficient elixir for three minutes you have a three this is the most clear obvious example of buying quick power right elixir gives you power like uh Elixir is absurdly broken. More than that. Could be more than that, right? But it's like mana region and then like lifesteal on the wrath. It's hard to estimate. It's like we, we don't care too much about the mana region most of the time when we buy Elixir. We're just buying it for the AP and the true damage. And then the true damage is also something that, that is uh, calculated within it. It's, it's very hard to, to create like a clear efficiency. So, so, I'm, so I'm being very reasonable here, right? So, three minutes, okay? Three minutes of, of power. If you achieve something important within these three minutes, and the difference maker was the elixir, then it was a great purchase. But if you don't do anything during these three minutes, you just uh, invested 500 gold into a shitcoin. You have an NFT of an elixir. Uh, not even, because it's not registered on any blockchain. But you get me, right? This is the most obvious example of borrowed power. That is the key concept here. Borrowed power. Can you leverage borrowed power in order to achieve something that is going to impact the game more greater than saving that power for a more later point? That was the time when everyone went Elixir start because you could buy Elixir, it was very cheap, Fortitude Potion, you're all in, and then you had a lot of potions too. Uh, it was very broken. Everyone did that. There's even a game of me on stage, Flunks, uh, playing Zed against Alex Ish, where I solo kill him with Elixir. Uh, you can look that up. Buying Magi's? No, Magi's and Darkseal is, is very different. It's not quite the same. He started, he didn't start it. I can tell you that. He really didn't start it. <laughs> Everyone did that. Okay. So here the final point. I'm going to paint a graph. Okay. Yeah, on the topic of Magi and Darkseal, it's a very different conversation because uh, the risk is very different depending on the game. Right? 
It is very different on the game. Sometimes you're playing a champion. Like, for example, I am more keen to buy Magi's when it's stacked already, right? So it's less risk because you get value right away. When I have flash on, it's like, sometimes I don't buy Magi because I don't have flash and the enemy has flash. And if they choose to kill me, right? And they overextend. Yeah, like the, co the topic of Dark Seal, Dark Seal is really broken. It's like Dark Seal, keeping it in your inventory, I don't even count it as an early game uh, purchase. Dark Seal is, is really strong. Magi's is good when, when you're fed and hard to kill. Yes, pretty much. Right? When, when, you, when the enemy, it's like when you're in a situation uh, where if the enemy throws everything at you and kill you, and let's say two people die for it, then maybe it's not the greatest. Maybe you have a shutdown and your Magi stacks go down. Maybe it's not the greatest. But if you can survive through that and you are tough to kill, whatever, you guys get the point. Uh, so here. So basically, we have a power. This is power. And we have time. Okay. We have one person here who is going the... Wait, before we go, go into the graph... Uh, sorry, uh, there's the opposite spectrum too. Uh, we talked about borrowed power, meaning delaying future items, because recipes are very cost-efficient, right? Recipes are very cost-efficient. In Dota, you can buy recipes and hold them in, in your inventory, but in League, you can only buy recipes. Like, recipes tend to uh, give you very strong effects, right? Think of Death Cap as an effect, or Void Staff. Very situational effects that increase in value depending on the context. For example, rapid fire cannon, that's an effect that is sometimes very weak, but sometimes very strong. Like buying rapid fire cannon on vein and it doesn't give you any difference in power, then maybe the rapid fire cannon effect is not that useful. Or but if you're playing Lucian and you give Lucian a Nami E and he hits someone with a rapid fire uh, and he cannot be traded on due to this effect, the value of it increases, right? So you, this is where item selection comes in, right? The item selection, it's like the game would be very boring if every item just had flat stats and non, nothing that was situational. Voice Self is very powerful when the enemy buys MR. Uh, Magic Penetration is very powerful when the enemy doesn't buy MR, right? These, these things are the, the things that, that fluctuate in terms of the cost efficiency. Uh, but generally speaking, if you're buying the correct items, recipes are insanely cost-efficient most of the time, right? Most of the time this is true because you're buying an item that makes sense. Okay, the, we talked about borrowed power, but there's also the examples of the other end. So you have longsword start and three potions. So this, this is a start. You're investing, you have some stats for lane, but you don't have the HP from Doran's Blade, but you get potions, right? This is probably the, the start that has the least amount of risk because it gives you a lot of fighting power. Uh, using potions in battle is kind of broken. Cost efficiency is defined by the value of a stat, right? And some things are harder to give a concrete value of how cost efficient something is. Like this is 150% uh, cost efficient here, the rapid fire cannon proc. That's very hard to do. Cost efficiency, you can derive them from flat stats, but then the effects are always a contextual uh, base off of, uh, you know, what's going on in the game. And you can even go so far 
to say that's also true for the base stats too. It's like, if, if I have Infinity Edge and, like, let's say I just buy a bunch of BF Swords, but I'm playing Zerath, then it's really stupid, right? Then the, whatever cost efficiency I have, that really doesn't matter. Or if I buy a AP uh, on Draven, it's, it doesn't matter how cost-efficient those items are in terms of how much AP I get per gold. It just doesn't matter because the kit is just really shit. Okay? Uh, Longsword, three potions. That's a start, right? It allows you to go into Noon Quiver quicker. Uh, noon Quiver, uh, it allows you to go into Lifesteal. Uh, it allows you to go into Dirk, right? This is a very strong buy, because early game is very strong. Even though Doran's Blade gives you more HP and all-ins, the fact that you have more potions and you can just pop one uh, as the fight starts gives you a lot of fighting power. There's also the more extreme one, like Kull, right? Kull is a very extreme one. This is a very clear example. Very clear example of an item where you make yourself weaker now to be more powerful later. So I said that Buying an Oblivion Orb or buying Doran's Ring is that you borrow power from the future for now. That's the main thing. The concept of borrowed power. This is what, what I want you guys to understand. So you buy the cull. Here you are basically investing into future power with cull. Sure, you get some stats. You get a little bit of AD. You get an on-hit effect. It's not like you don't have any stats at all. But this is like the more extreme end, right? And then you have, of course, the, the mana crystal. You have the mana crystal start. That's also like uh, an angle, right? A mana crystal. That's, that's, that's a move to get the early lost chapter. That's something that uh, has occurred, right? Uh, into fast mythic. This is something that we've seen, right? And uh, we, we, this is also a situation where you're trying to, uh, you know, invest into your own future by not spending money on Dorans or any starting items, right? Same conversation can be had about runes, but we are going to stick to items currently. Uh, like, the same conversation can be had about runes, right? So we're going to drop now a graph. This graph, very simple. This graph is the power graph. Uh, sorry, this is not, we're going to do it again. I fucked up. This is the power graph. This is time. So let's say this is 10 minutes into the game. This is 20 minutes, this is 30 minutes, this is 40 minutes. The time doesn't matter so much in the beginning. So let's say now, we are in a situation where we have three people, okay? We have one person, we are going to make him green. The green guy, this person, is buying... He bought Doran's Ring, okay? He bought Doran's Ring, two potions. So let's say his power level starts here, just for depiction purposes. He is laning, laning, and then on first base, he buys Oblivion Orb, 
So his power increases, right? His power increases. He buys Oblivion Orb, and then on the second base, he buys Double Amp Tome, okay? Double Amp Tome, let's say something. We're, just do we're, we're not doing this for the sake of it being super precise. We don't care about the details overall. Uh, he buys Double Amp Tome, his power increases just a little bit, right? In the context of his own champion, not in the context of the game. His power increases a little bit. Let's say uh, that the game is steady. He's just farming like everybody else in this example. He's just farming. Uh, and he's, he, this is just how his power has, has gone uh, and, and changed throughout the game. And eventually he reaches the point where he, is, he, he finishes his lost chapter. He has a, a, a blasting one too. And then let's say around here he finishes his mythic, which is a, a jump in power. Okay. Then we have the example of the person who buys Sapphire Crystal. So he's not completely useless, right? Because he still bought by some lane power, but it's definitely a lot weaker than Doran's Ring. So you see here, let's say there's a situation where he lanes at this uh, point in time, okay? And then on that first base, he manages to get uh, a Lost Chapter, which of course, it's kind of hard to judge Lost Chapter against Oblivion Orb and, and so forth. Uh, but we're going to make this for the simplicity's sake, uh, 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 you know, uh, around the, the point of power of, uh, uh, of, of course, uh, uh, Oblivionor. Okay. So with this, with this uh, lost chapter, let's say he bought Blasting One around this time, and then let's say he finishes Mythic a lot earlier. But of course, he's a little bit weaker than the other guy because this guy has Oblivionor, right? But he finished Mythic a lot earlier. And then you have the last example of the person who bought, uh, he just basically bought uh, the same item as the Oblivion Orb guy, a Dark Seal, and he goes like this. Let's say he's on the same line, he doesn't want to draw over it. And then he buys Blasting One on the first base. He's a little bit weaker than the Oblivion Orb guy. And then he continues, but he's going to finish his Mythic a little bit earlier uh, than uh, the, the green guy. Not a little bit early, right? I think we can just remove the time because I think the time is very wrong here. The reason I, I created this situation is because I wanted to create a visual for how things might just play out, right, in terms of power. So let's say now, if we continue this, we have the Oblivion Orb guy. He has now another base. Why is this so thin now? I need to make it thicker. Okay. He has now a base, and let's say now this is the point where he finishes second item. So he jumps in power. He has two core right here. Two core with Oblivion Orb. Same thing here. This person who finishes Mythic earlier is also going to finish his two core item much earlier, right? But he's going to be slightly weaker at the point where he finishes two core because the enemy has an Oblivion Orb. Same thing for this dude. He's going to finish his uh, Mythic a little bit later than the blue guy. Uh, but he's going to be on a similar power form uh, because he he doesn't have the Oblivion Orb, right? So if we look at this power graph, you need to ask yourself when you make item purchases, you being stronger, so you don't see the Sapphire Crystal start enough. You don't see it often at all because in most lane matchups, there's too heavy trading and you can get pushed out of lane and Sapphire Crystal provides you with very... No... This this is assuming similar gold growth, yes. 
but we are continuing with the conversation, Baku. When I finish, you can add, add topics, okay? So now I'm going to provide the context. In this, it, as, it assumes that everyone farmed equally, right? And that can't possibly be right, right? And that's where the nuance comes in. This assumes everyone farms equally. So we think about the, lost, the, the sapphire crystal guy, right? This situation assumes that he farmed equally to everybody else, uh, right? Sure, there's some cases where you don't need to farm as much, but we don't care about those details, right? But in this, in this time frame, right, when he's so much weaker than his opponent with the, darks, the, with, with the Doran's ring, if he gets completely monster-fisted and he's 15 CS, 20 CS behind, has to TP back to lane and he's completely annihilated, then that, 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 that long-term investment that he was gunning for, uh, it, it, it has basically aged like milk, right? He is completely, completely fucked himself over because he wanted to uh, get ahead of the curve by investing in the future. In a world where he gets away with it, it's very strong. In a world where he doesn't get away with it, this Doran's Ring purchase that gave you early game power is clearly the better option. Right? So that is always the conversation you need to have with yourself when you are making these sacrifices for the earlier parts of the game. Right? So in this context, right? if you look at Oblivion Orb, because that's a conversation always, Oblivion Orb is an item by design, 35 AP, 25% Grievous Wounds, when it's being bought against Doran Shield users, Second Wind users, and people that can heal with their W spell. Uh, then by, in theory, you should, you should be getting more power through this item. If you manage to achieve something that is significant enough for you to delay your core items through this idea of more immediate borrowed power, then it's a good purchase. That is the main thing. That is the main concept and idea that you need to always ask yourself, right? If you are playing a champion that scales super well, and it doesn't matter what items you have at the end, as long as you get to that point, you're going to outscale the enemy, investing in early lane power makes a lot of sense. For example, there was a conversation, people said that uh, Zeus was trolling on his gangplank by buying Trinity Force. While Trinity Force isn't the item that scales the best, he didn't need to scale at all in that game. He just needed to be as strong as possible, as quick as possible, because his team and his champion would completely outscale the opposition. So he, he borrowed power from the future for his early game. Okay? He borrowed power for the future because as long as he survives and he stays even, he's going to be more useful than the enemy. So we have the Sapphire Crystal example. This only makes sense if you can get away with it. Right? If the enemy buys Oblivion Orb and you got away with not buying Oblivion Orb and you are laning even and you're farming even, then this person invested gold into something that could potentially be weaker later.
I don't know what you're saying, Alex Gimoka, because you're, you're buying items with an idea in mind, right? So then you have, uh, of course, uh, the situation where there's uh, another thing that happens to the person that has the borrowed power. So let's say the Grievous Wounds example. This is the person that bought Grievous Wounds. What happens to him is, if he doesn't get value off of it, his Mythic gets delayed, and also his second item will be delayed, and all, like basically he's lagging behind for the rest of the game, if he doesn't get value out of this item. Of course, you know, sometimes you can also say, sometimes you can also say that uh, even in this window, like let's say this window here that we painted, this window where this side has mythic advantage, maybe nothing happens, right? Maybe nothing happens. So people are talking about mythic advantage, but maybe this timing of a mythic advantage is just wasted because the person with the oblivion orb uh, managed to secure the important timings of the game. Right? Let's say this moment in the game here, this is where Rift Herald fight happened. Okay? This is where Rift Herald fight happened, and the person with the oblivion orb had more power in his inventory when a significant moment in time happened. Let's say they have Mythic right after, it's not relevant anymore because the moment of time when they needed to be strong is no longer relevant. It's not like you buy Mythic and at 10 minute mark, it's not like Angel Arena, I use this example, Angel Arena. It's not like we're going to be in a situation where the moment you, at 10 minute mark, we're going to be in a 5v5 cage fight with the enemy. So we need to be as powerful as possible at this moment. It's, it doesn't work like that, right? You can choose the fights you take. You can, you, can, you can maybe prepare in a way where you set up for the fight earlier. You can, you, you, there's, there's maneuverability, right? Eventually, you're faced with that cage fight, which is the Baron fight or the Elder Dragon fight. Yeah? So... Maybe this moment in time where this person with the, the, the Grievous Wound and the Oblivion Orb manages to do a little bit of extra chip damage in lane and that's going to translate into a Rift Herald lead. We're just saying this in the hypothetical, right? It's very hard to say if something did or didn't sometimes, right? Because the most important thing is that you just buy stats and then the small differences is just nuance, right? Right? Especially early game. Right, if you compare Blasting Wound against Grievous Wound, it's like it's hard to say that, oh, he only managed to achieve this because he had Grievous Wound. Like maybe, let's say he did 50 more damage to him. It's hard to say that that 50 damage is a difference maker. So let's keep this in mind. Right? But, the, but the main thing is sometimes, let's say uh, there is a moment in time where this is also the most important fight. Let's say this is second Drake. And this is where you want to be powerful. If you can keep that rhythm where you keep control of the game because you're stronger and the significant fights happen when you're stronger, the enemy's timings when they are stronger are going to matter less. Right? This is second Drake. Second. But of course... At the same time, if the Oblivion Orb guy or the person who is getting borrowed power and the fights happen on the timings where the other person is stronger, it is going to be quite a struggle. Right? 
if you are borrowing power, it's very important that you are the one maintaining momentum in the game. Or you outscale the enemy even in the case where you borrow power. Like, I, I think your question, Alex Gimoka, is uh, if, let's say, let's say you reach this point here, right? You're here with the Grievous Wound, and maybe you can finish two core if you sell your Oblivion Orb. That's perfectly fine. You can sell Oblivion Orb for 560 gold, and you basically spend 340 gold on the idea of being stronger for maybe uh, 10 minutes of the game. So in the context of the elixir, we've spent 500 gold to be stronger for 3 minutes, right? This gold disappears, and you get your 560 Gs back, and then maybe you catch up, right? That's also a side to the conversation. That's why I brought up the elixir point. Because for 500 gold, you make yourself stronger for 3 minutes. And if you manage to have significant fights within these three minutes, this 500 gold purchase is really good. But if you do not, it's a very bad purchase, right? This is the most polarizing example. But if we put this example in the context of all of these items that give you borrowed power, like the Oblivion Orb, it is basically a three. you, you, you spend 800 gold, and then you can sell it for 560 gold at some point in the game, but... The idea and the intention is that you borrow power from the future to exude your dominance at a certain point in time, or maybe it's a defensive purchase. It can be a defensive purchase too. Maybe you buy Oblivion or just to fight back the enemy and you want to just survive to a certain point. That works too. It's like tanks in a lot of their matchups, they're not rushing Mythic, right? They're buying items to survive the lane. They're itemizing specifically against their opposition. If you're playing Orn against Renekton, you consider, you go Warden's Mail, you get a little, you get some Ruby Crystals, you consider Ninja Tavi, you get Bramble Vest, right? Yeah, Stopwatch is a little bit different, right? Because you can choose when to use it. Elixir 2, right? Uh, Elixir 2, you can keep it into your inventory and then just proc it when the fight is breaking out. Like, maybe keeping an Elixir in your inventory is completely broken. Could be, right? The issue with stopwatch and the difference with stopwatch is that the, like, when you buy a stopwatch, just because of how powerful the active is, it is, uh, it is of course, um, uh, you know, something that can deny so much value from the enemy. So, what is my entire point of this discussion? Is Oblivion Orb good or bad to buy? It depends. It depends. That's the main thing. With item purchases, it always depends. Right? Some games, it's good to start Sapphire Crystal. Some games, not. Right? If you're going to start Sapphire Crystal and you're going to play Malzahar and the enemy is playing like Azir, you're going to have so many soldiers up your ass, you will not be useful for the rest of the game. And your Sapphire Crystal purchase can go fuck itself. Right? That can easily happen. Right? Like if I'm playing Azir into, into a champion that buys Sapphire Crystal, 
I'm going to delete him off the planet. Sapphire Crystal sure gives you some stats, but like I'm going to have uh, some some strong laning runes. I'm gonna scorch you. I'm going to I'm going to push you out of lane so fucking easily because you can't fight back against me. Right? The main point is you need to be mindful when you borrow power. Right? If you are going to try to increase your power at this point, then your next spike is going to like your, your mythic item purchase is going to be later, right? But sometimes that is the correct thing to do. And we've seen that in circumstances with uh, uh, with uh, with champions that outscale the enemy, it is good to buy defensive items, right? Buy defensive items, you're going to delay your core items uh, just to survive and to farm efficiently. Like if 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 buying buying the most efficient thing and you're investing for the future and making sure that you're strong as possible in the future but that denies you from farming and you're going to be too weak to farm or too weak to trade or too weak to 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 even walk up to the lane then this investment is not worth it at all think of it like this okay if you plant a seed okay you plant a seed right if you can't water it the fact that you planted the seed doesn't matter and this person who bought his cucumber has he, he just has more to offer okay this person who just bought a cucumber in the shop, he just has more offer than you and your seed. Because with his cucumber, he's not letting you water your seed. So it's not going to grow into something nice. But if you can water it, then great. <laughs> That's a terrible analogy. Yeah, there's a reason people don't speak scaling only, right? Because you need to you need to have something to uh, to you need to have an argument in the early game. Being strong, admit like the, the, there's you have to be uh, you need to be able to survive lane phase. You need to be able to defend dives. You need to be able to defend your camps. You need to be able to farm. If the enemy can exude their pressure onto you and pressure dives and invade your jungle and take your camps from you, it doesn't matter if you outscale because you're not actively growing in that game. But if you can outscale the enemy and also farm, then usually you're winning. But if you can't farm, and the enemy can pressure your jungle camps, pressure dive, and pressure objectives, uh, you tend to be uh, losing. So once again, all of these early game purchases, like uh, Zika's, Oblivion Orb, Dorans, you know, this is, in a lot of cases, you borrow power. And you borrow power with the intention of either farming more or denying the enemy farm or being stronger at certain key points in the game. A good example could be you're playing Orn, 
the enemy is stacking wave towards you and you just fucking, you know they're gonna dive you, so you just build yourself a ruby crystal to make sure that you're tankier for the dive that is coming. Which is of course a very extreme example because a lot of champions can't uh, build items on the spot uh, and ruby crystal of course builds into a lot of good items for Orn, but you get my point, right? If it's... If you know your team is walking into a Rift Herald fight and your team needs to fight this and need to be stronger at this point and certain items can be uh, of difference, you know, then it's important to, to work with borrowed power, you know. It's important to peek here because you have the perception in the game that Rift Herald is going to be a defining factor. And then that investment in gold leads to more gold, right? Because you're denying the enemy Rift Herald, you're taking the Rift Herald for yourself, and then potentially you're doing something more with it, right? You're getting some platings. But if you invest that, like let's say you buy a, like a theoretical elixir and you want to be powerful, more powerful here, because that's in the end what it is, right? Uh, you, you, you are doing exactly the same thing as, as buying an elixir. And this is the only thing that I want to, to, to have a conversation about. Sometimes, you know, uh, there's also a balance, you know. Uh, buying components towards your mythic, it's not like you don't have any fighting power at all, right? Blasting Wand, Sapphire Crystal. You know, these are items that still do something, right? I, don't, I want to make sure that this is clear. Right? And finding a balance in between is perfectly fine and good. Right? Finding a balance is perfectly viable and also perfectly good. But what Oblivion is? Oblivion Orb is a purchase that you do against targets that have healing and in games where you are obliged and you have reasons to be stronger earlier in the game because you want to increase the amount of CS that you get and deny the enemy CS or secure objectives with this added power that you have. Or prio. If you can't achieve this, then... Oblivion Orb is not a good buy. And the same on the flip side. If you buy Cull or start Sapphire Crystal, if you start Cull or Sapphire Crystal and you can go even, you are ahead. If you're even, you're ahead. If you can't go even, meaning minus Doran item, okay? If you are even, you are ahead. But if you are so far behind because the lack of power, that you're even more behind than you would have been in the context of buying Dorans, then this buy is very bad. 
And that's how you have to make your choices. Let's say Billy Bob, okay? Billy Bob is playing a champion, okay? He has a uh, even lane matchup, so he is making sure that he comes to lane with some lane power. I thought Sapphire and getting behind means it might even out. Yes, it might, if you don't get far behind enough. Yeah, if you take Cull but you lose 5 CS, could be fine. Yeah, there's definitely like an in-between. It's not black and white. It's not like, oh, you're 1 CS behind? Nope, no, for sure. You need to be behind a certain amount before it doesn't work, right? And it's also something that you can't evaluate is if, let's say you had full control of your lane, if you had Dolan's Ring over the fact that you having Sapphire Crystal doesn't uh, give you uh, any power of the lane, it's also hard to put a value on that because it depends on how well your team plays, could you pressure enemy camps, could you pressure objectives, could you uh, uh, set up vision so you uh, secure the enemy jungler, uh, like there's, there's also like that, that part of it that is very hard to judge. So let's say Billy Bob, okay? He has, uh, this is Rifteral timer. This is Drake 1, D1, this is Dree 2, this is Rifteral 2, this is Drake 3, this is Nash, this is D4, and this is Elder. So. He buys Doran's Ring, he has an even matchup, he wants to be able to contest, he buys Doran's Ring. Right? And in a world where, let's say his opposition goes for a cheaper option, and he is slightly stronger than the enemy, uh, which in this theory we assume that Billy Bob and the opposition are equally strong and equally good players, the fact that Billy Bob is slightly stronger than him uh, is going to make a, a difference coming into this uh, Drake 1 fight. Right? And that difference coming to the Drake 1 fight, it carries over to the Rift Era fight too, right? Uh, his opposition, this was his opponent, he was the same on this line. And then he bought a little uh, greedier purchase here, let's see, he bought Cull while he bought Noon Quiver. And then he just didn't uh, keep up with him here. And uh, just because he bought uh, an item uh, later at hand, uh, you know, this uh, translates into uh, a benefit that this red guy is going to have later. So he's going to have Cull that pops, okay? He took an investment. So here, this team that got this Rift Herald will now jump ahead in gold. He finishes with the Rift Herald, they pop it, he finishes Mythic here. Right? This is a great fucking course of the game. Right? This is fucking wonderful uh, for Billy Bob and his team. Right? This guy bought Cull, this guy completely fucked himself. He's, he's far behind, and the fact that he bought cheaper option items made Billy Bob be in a position where D1 and Rift Herald was taken for Billy Bob. So he's very happy with his purchase. He, he bought and invested in early power and it paid off because significant moments in the game occurred during the timing where he was stronger and he could leverage that pressure to achieve something meaningful. But let's say Billy Bob didn't manage to achieve Rift Herald and Rift Herald wasn't taken and D1 wasn't taken because the game state was even and these guys are equally strong. 
uh, right? Let's say no one took Rift Herald and whatever. And uh, this person that finished Cull now will, uh, let's say he farmed evenly and now he will uh, jump and now he has a little bit more gold as he has a pickaxe over Billy Bob. And now on this D2 situation, just because uh, Billy Bob invested into early, earlier power and this guy took the more greedier approach, he didn't invest in early power, he took a very neutral approach because he just bought uh, item components, right, for his, for his, uh, for his uh, business. And uh, here, Timmy Tom, uh, he is now stronger for the Drake too because Billy Bob didn't manage to achieve anything useful, right? And that can accelerate itself to more. And these are the micro decisions that you do when you item purchases always. And then here, coming into D3, so this is the moment where you have a situation where both AD carries didn't manage to finish uh, their second item here for direct three somehow because they're farming very bad. They don't have they don't have second core item. Okay, no objectives were taken, but uh, but red side managed to secure uh, Drake two because he was stronger. Here both AD carries didn't finish uh, an item. But both teams are aware that this Drake is going to be very important for us. So, of course, this is a very extreme case. Keep in mind, I'm, I'm talking in very extreme cases here. Um, uh, let's make it more reasonable. Let's say here, uh, Timmy uh, managed to secure third Drake. And he uh, also uh, has now three Drakes. And now uh, they continue. And now Timmy, Timmy Tom has uh, two and a half items. And uh, now Billy Bob also has two and a half items. So now both of them are in a position where Billy Bob needs to think, I really need to be stronger at this Drake because we need to all in at this Drake because the enemy has soul point. So he's in a position where he has 500 gold and both of them can't finish Infinity Edge. But Billy Bob is thinking, I'm going to buy Elixir here to make sure that I'm stronger for D4 so we secure it because we're going to have to all in here. Right? He's all in here. So he wants to be stronger at this point. Billy Bob buys an elixir. This is elixir. Okay? So in a situation that occurs here, if Timmy... You say Billy Bob is a genius, but imagine a world where Timmy realizes, yo, he bought an elixir. He just invested 500 gold. I'm going to give him this Drake 4. I'm going to give it to him. If, if what occurs here is that uh, Billy Bob wins the team fight and then he wins the game off of it, brilliant elixir purchase. Or let's say in that elixir window they do Nash, very good uh, elixir purchase, right? Because within that three minute span he managed to gain an, a, a significant advantage through this purchase of borrowed power. He managed to achieve this. But what occurs... Uh, in, in this first example, uh, here, Billy Bob smurfed, okay? Here, Billy Bob smurfed, they got Nash and they won the game, and this guy is just lagging behind. He finishes Infinity Edge here because he, he kept his gold, but Billy Bob is running away with the game, and he won because he was stronger when it mattered. But then there is the circumstance where it isn't that glorious, okay? Here, Billy Bob, he buys this elixir. Manages to secure the Drake and maybe that's a great Drake, right? But let's say Timmy and his team they push 
uh, top side and they uh, they get some gold so it's not like completely uh, fucked right they get something out of it they get a little tower but they didn't get soul so here for the next three minutes nothing significant happens and he delayed his infinity edge so his power drops here his viagra runs out his elixir runs out and he spent 500 gold and he can't finish his infinity edge for drake 5 because of this okay and then you have timmy who didn't buy an elixir who now by finishes his infinity edge and he has a humongous dongus and now for this fight he is fucked so this is the three minute timer where elixir is active if he didn't achieve anything significant here then elixir is a terrible purchase and that's the main thing the next time you buy oblivion or next time you buy any lane items what did you achieve with it could you have been greedier by uh, itemizing towards later points in the game and later spikes in the game uh, or uh, could you exude more power and create a more snowballing effect that would have elevated your chances later on in the game due to the force that you could exude on the map and also towards your enemy so the the terminology here there's the neutral approach there's also the borrowed power approach and there's also the investing approach so borrowed power What can borrowed power be used for? It can be used to uh, snowball and also to prevent snowball. The same thing, right? It's like Scorch can be a tool to snowball the lane but it can also be a tool to give you power early game to put you in a position later on in the game to get to the point where your champion is very strong. Right? That's what Scorch does. That's what sometimes Biscuit does. You borrow a little bit of power from the late game just to get to that point of late game in a more convincing fashion and in a, in a, in a more easier fashion. You get yourself some early game runes, some early game items, just so you can get to the point of you scaling. You borrow some of your potential power, because you could have gone Gathering Storm, you could have gone all these scaling runes, you could have gone uh, First Strike, Gathering Storm, you could have completely fucked the game over if you had three items in these runes instead of the runes that you had. But maybe you wouldn't have these three fucking items if you were that weak in the early game to begin with. Borrowed power. You can prevent snowball. You can snowball. Uh, like basically prevent snowball and you can scale. Just because you are a scaling champion doesn't mean that everything that you do needs to be scaling. Taking the defensive approach and getting yourself more power can easily, easily be the more uh, scaling approach because you get more farm out of it.
The same principle applies to teleport. What does teleport do, right? There is one side effect of it, is that with TP, you can flank people and find yourselves in positions that uh, can be very impactful. But the main idea of TP is that it gives you farm, like it basically gives you farm. TP gives you farm. Why does it give you farm? Because it allows you to be in, like basically, you get to push waves that you maybe couldn't have pushed. Because you get to walk up somewhere and you are still active on the map while you do so. You get to TP back to a lane, you get to catch minions that you shouldn't have. You get to stay longer because you have TP, you can TP back to lane and you can maintain tempo through it. But when TP is on cooldown, like in terms of fighting stats, TP doesn't give you anything, right? TP doesn't give you any fighting stats. In theory, it gives you golden experience if used correctly. TP. I don't know, maybe you didn't hear me, but the first thing I said is that TP can give you like positions, right? Later. In theory, TP doesn't give you any fighting power, right? Besides the fact that you can flank right and win the game, right? But TP while you're fighting someone isn't like clear power as ignite or barrier or heal. So you're assuming that together with the TP, you are going to gain enough gold and you the, the reusage of your resources is going to lead to more power than you having ignite or heal or whatever, right? There's of course the macro implication, but in that macro implication, what happens is that you lose a lot of farm. You're going to bleed a lot of farm against the guy who has TP and you don't have TP because you'll have to group more often. And the enemy person can maybe push waves that you can't catch because you need to be grouping while the enemy is exuding pressure with their TP. So once again, you're losing farm and you're losing XP and you're losing, uh, like you're losing gold. So TP doesn't give you combat stats, but it gives you access to more experience and more gold, and it gives you more access to, uh, it gives you a chance to replenish your resources, right? That's what's so 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 good about TP. You can take a trade, and if the enemy has no lethal, you can put yourself in a position where you TP back, and the enemy is completely fucked. That is a very direct use of TP. But in theory, in that moment, if he bases because he's weaker than you, you have gained an XP and a gold advantage. Right? So it all comes back to the same thing, XP and gold advantage. So this is the use of borrowed power. And then there's the neutral approach. Neutral. Just components. Components. I don't know where I get fucking components, whatever. Components give power. Two. Right? 
recipes are efficient right so recipes are efficient you're aiming to finish your recipes as fast as reasonably possible but you're not doing anything greedy you're still starting with a Doran's item maybe you throw in a dark seal and maybe you throw a refillable in there you throw in some potions potions is also an example right you drink and 50 gold disappears from your pocket but you're drinking this with the idea that you're going to get more than 50 gold out of this potion right potion makes you stronger and all in makes you more durable in lane because you have a more theoretic like a bigger theoretical champion pool i mean health pool if your health is 500 a healing potion is like a fucking ruby crystal for 50 gold but you can only use it once so a potion is like a mini elixir you're investing 50 gold because you're assuming you're going to get more than 50 gold worth of value for buying the potion. And that is all. Welcome. Uh, thank you for coming to my TED Talk, guys. Uh, I think I've uh, gone around in circles enough. Maybe one day I'll make like a very cohesive uh, version of this. But uh, all in all, uh, I think I've made my point clear. That in the cases where you buy Oblivion Orb, you um, need to make sure that, uh, you know, that it's that you having that added power in that moment in time is you know worth it best strategy in aram speaking of aram like speaking of other items that i find broken like everyone's talking about their things and everyone gets their own thing um Um, I, I'm going to show you something. Uh, maybe some other time. I think we've talked enough about uh, math and league and shit. But uh, things that I find OP is, I think, I think very often uh, when AD carries don't buy Infinity Edge on third item, they are wrong. Infinity Edge third item is one of the most broken broken item spikes you can have in the whole game. The situations where LDR is better than Infinity Edge on 3 are very extreme. Very extreme. Just due to the nature of how strong Infinity Edge is. LDR second is a very interesting build, right? Because LDR second is an investment for the future. It's the same when you buy Deathcap second. When you buy Deathcap second and you have Deathcap into Void, you're very fucking strong. You're very strong. Because you're assuming that the enemy is going to buy MR and you're going to get your death cap and then you're going to get void stuff. So you're, you're not going for uh, the shadow flame. I think in situations, I, I think in situations where uh, players are buying, uh, for example, mythic into shadow flame into void stuff, I think in a lot of cases they've messed something up with their build. 
because usually if the enemy has enough MR for you to justify a void staff means that maybe that cap could have been better for you. You get me? Because usually if you're buying Ludens into Shadow Flame, you want to land on third item uh, death cap. So basically the, the Infinity Edge Infinity Edge is insanely OP. Rabadon's third is always best? No. Yeah, Death Cap feels so shit to buy though a second, especially if you're not fed. Yeah, that's true. It it, it does. It does it does feel shitty. But it it's like an investment to make sure that you're more powerful in the future. That's why I mentioned it in the context of LDR second. If you buy LDR second, the moment you finish it, it feels like garbage. It does feel like garbage. You're not doing that much more damage. You're not doing that much more damage uh, on 2-core. On 2-core, you're going to feel like shit. But when you reach 3 items and you have LDR and IE, you're going to be quite strong. Because you don't face the issue of the enemy having armor and you also bought Infinity Edge on 3. So if you know already the enemy has many tanks, it's better to buy LDR second and then IE on 3 because of how broken IE is. The main thing about IE too, even in the circumstances, even in the circumstances, where LD, there's such an extreme LDR case because the enemy team has Ramos and Morphite and you buy LDR on 3. The thing is, even when you buy Infinity Edge, the moment you start buying the smaller components, like the small Last Whisper or the Cloak of Agility, you, you increase the value of Infinity Edge. Because Infinity Edge increases crit damage. So any crit, additional crit, is more DPS in the Infinity Edge uh, case over the LDR case. Crit is more valuable when you have IE than it is when you have LDR, naturally, right? If you only have one of them. Same thing is, if you buy IE and you have Last Whisper as a component, IE value goes, goes up, right? IE on 3 is insanely OP. Thing is, a, a good rule of thumb, right? Unless it's like a very extreme game. If you're in a situation and you have four items AP and you're not sitting on Deathcap Void Staff, it must be some weird game where the enemy can kill you really fucking easily. If, that you're buying like Banshees and you're buying Zonias and Archangel Staff. If if you're not sitting on, on, on Deathcap and Void Staff, DPS-wise, most of the time on four items you're doing something wrong. Just because of the nature of these items. There's cases where Banshee is better. There's cases where Zonia is better. There's cases where Archangel makes sense. Don't get me wrong. But in a lot of cases I see people make this mistake. Right? Many times in the world we saw people being completely allergic to fucking Deathcap. They, they were completely allergic to Deathcap. How many times this world did we see? It's like, if you buy Crown... For the love of God, at least get yourself Death Cap. Get yourself a, a fucking Shadow Flame. Get yourself Void Staff. Don't buy more defensive items. Like, are you a tank or what? Fucking Peace Pigeons. And no, Honey Potter, because... These these runes are also really good 
uh, for the other items too. Like these these runes affect Phantom Dancer too. They affect Rapid Fire. They affect BT. They affect the other items too, right? So basically, for Aram, what I recommend, a tip for you out there, is try having an elixir active perma. Bro, you you can buy, like basically, after 10 minute mark, you buy elixir, just fucking use elixir. Elixir is broken. The Aram games are short, there's a lot of fucking action, perma fight, elixir is broken in Aram. The Doran's items, the big fucking orb of winter shit and, and whatever the fuck, also insanely broken. They give you mythic passive. They give you insane amounts of stats for this, for some fucking reason. Really OP items. The fucking guardian horn, bro. Crazy item. Really good items. Strong items. Yes, 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 yes. So, ask yourself the question always. Can you press an advantage by being stronger now? Or will you delay your items too much and the investment will be too big are you being too greedy with your approach are you going to outskill your enemy even with weaker items that can happen people saying ha 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 he's buying trinity force on gp but he's playing against renekton he just needs to be stronger as soon as possible and you think about the one one item that can make gp as strong as possible one item is either divine Sunderer or trinity force there's no other item that is going to make GP stronger on one item. Because this GP is thinking to himself, well, guys, if I survive to the point where I have three items, it doesn't fucking matter how I got there. Have you talked about Oblivion Orb first already? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God bless you. I just talked about it for, for two hours. <laughs> I will probably make a, like, basically, I was freestyling it, right, with paint here. I could make a more cohesive video on this topic if people are interested and then just deliver it in a five minute con uh, like context. Okay. Oh, I'm so fucking tired all of a sudden after this. And let's take a look at some of your, your, your questions. Alright, uh, do you think mental strength can be trained or will the instinct win and, and people uh, uh, struggle? I, I believe mental strength can be trained uh, for sure. Um, I think just uh, awareness uh, of oneself and um, understanding what it means to perform for you and putting it into words and making it actionable for who you are as a person. Uh, I think outlining that and uh, building mental strength uh, through dealing with day-to-day -day challenges in the appropriate manner definitely uh, bolsters your, your mental strength, uh, for sure. It, it is something that you can train. Uh, Jimmy Baker asks, what do you think of play, playing off meta to win versus Asian regions? For example, top lane champs mid or vice versa majors bot. We did consider it. We did consider it. We considered... It wasn't... You know, it's, it's less about... 
countering a specific team or beating Eastern teams. It's more about just doing what you believe is good. Like Wunder wanted to play some Ivan top, we ended up not doing it. Uh, we also, uh, Wunder, prepared Leblanc top because we wanted to flex LB. Uh, basically, we wanted to pick LB, invite uh, an LB counter, counter the LB, and then Wunder just plays the Leblanc top. You know, uh, this is definitely something that uh, uh, we, we considered. And this is not to counter a specific Eastern team. It's, it's just about doing something that you believe is, is good. And uh, if you believe that you found something that breaks the meta and you are ahead of the curve, then you employ it. Uh, but that can be very difficult uh, against teams that are very strong. Uh, you can't just do something off meta just to be off meta. It's like, um, you know, being weird just to be weird. It, it doesn't really give you anything. It, it's, it's like the context needs to be that you believe that it's fucking good. Not to be like, wow, I'm not going to have a meeting with my players. Guys, we're so much fucking worse than these guys. What can we do to shock them and completely fuck their mind up? That's not really like the, the thought process that you can have uh, approaching it. Uh, Akihide asks about Fnatic offseason, which I'm not going to answer, but he asks uh, a very good question here. Uh, why are teams not willing to try the same roster for several seasons and build synergy? Um, we are... Um, so basically, uh, there's, uh, there's one main reason, but it bleeds into the other reasons too. Uh, the way... Esports works because it was a medium that was created during a time where time frames are being more and more limited and shrunk down. Everything is very results driven. And the challenge is that players also are very results driven. And their value, understandably so, because it's derived from it. For example, now. Just because the results of Fnatic weren't as good as people expected them to be, or I wanted them to be, uh, people are instantly questioning my ability to coach, uh, which is perfectly fine, right? We are working a job that is paid well, so we should stand up uh, to that uh, scrutiny and we should prove people wrong, right? That's the nature of the business. But we are uh, forced to focus on short-term results and players are thinking exactly the same way if things don't go a certain way it, you 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 begin to uh, think to yourself what are things decisions that i can do to increase the chances for me to have better results coming into the next year naturally in a competitive business that's how you have to approach it and players are thinking the same way Players want to come into the next season with the best possible chances to win. Organizations also think the same way. So very rarely do you have rosters of players where everyone feels the same way about one another and feel in a way uh, like basically they, they feel about each other that they this roster that we have is the best possible odds for results. And sometimes that can be very disappointing, right? Because... I think 
in the beauty of you know the best possible teams is that commitment to one another that uh you know um what's what's the word that i'm looking for this um trying to look for a very specific word this unconditional commitment to one another this is where you really find at the highest level of performance so this is the, mo the thing that is the, that is the most heartbreaking right like if, if i could have a roster of five players and we made a commitment for three years there was no other players no other nothing that we could do we would have a commitment to one another you know the challenge would be that complacency that would be the challenge the complacency but if you manage to piece it together just right, to have that commitment to know that every single day that we are building and growing towards something that is not something that is just short-term results-driven, maybe we could achieve higher highs. But we see how the community reacts. We saw how the business side of esports works too. Everyone is focused on short-term results. And that's why you rarely see rosters sticking together. Because in that as well, in the losses, in the turmoil, you can you also feel the heat of, of the burning kitchen that is uh, esports teams. Also with League of Legends, right? The tricky thing is that, that performance fluctuates because patches fluctuate. And... Um, that's the main thing. You can't expect players to be playing insane all the time. And sometimes some players have insane years. And then the next year uh, they are not performing as good. And sometimes players that potentially didn't perform as good are uh, performing even better uh, the next year. Right? Because performance fluctuates. It's the same thing, right? Jizuke won the all-pro mid laner in uh, EG. In his last split of EG, he was considered by his peers the best mid laner to play on the server. In playoffs, EG had a very hard time and they couldn't figure out their wins. And Jizuki had moments where optically didn't look as, as strong as he did in the regular split. But people forgot very quickly his, his performance in the regular split for some damn reason. When in reality, he completely fucking 1v9 that split. And then what happened? He couldn't find a team in LEC or LCS. And that's the harsh harshness of this fucking business. Everything is fucking short-term driven. Everyone has the memory of uh, Goldfish because the news cycle and the information that goes through our eyeballs into our brain is just... The amount of information that is available there and the news cycle of how everything is the focus shifts and the recency bias you know everything is is all over the place for us humans you know we are not ready to navigate ourselves as human beings in this in this in this world and esports is of course a, a hyper intense version of that because it it's a medium that was created uh, in this world you know Callum asks, uh, your junglers are often considered to fall into categories of either hands or brain junglers. With the proposal to remove or at least reduce counter jungling, do you think this impacts one group or the other? And if so, why? I think jungle impact will just be less, uh, which is uh, 
very boring. I think anything that makes the game easier to play, I think is is uninteresting uh, for my personal uh, idea of the game. I understand why they do it, uh, like they do it, of course, because they want to make jungle more accessible. Uh, they've tried, um, they tried to like buff random champions like fucking Blitzcrank and Brand and Morgana Jungle and Darius and Garen and this type of shit I don't like because they're just fucking throwing random shit on the wall because they want to create an environment where anyone would want to jungle. They want to make jungle into a role that just allows you to play any champion that you love to play and just use jungle as a supplemental it's like a fifth champion in your team composition that's what they are turning jungle into so the jungles that will be strong are the ones that uh, still i think jungle skill is going to matter right and jungle expression and so forth and team coordination is going to be skills that are still very relevant uh, but i think that it will be the, the the players that have the biggest champion pools and are very good mechanically uh, will be a lot more interesting. You know, the hands and the brains thing, it's like, there are some players that are good mechanically and path bad. There are champions, there are some people that path good, but are mechanically trash. And there are some champions that allow both of these players to cover both, but a good jungler uh, manages to do both. So when you see a jungler that is capable of playing Sejuani and capable of playing Graves and capable of playing Maokai and capable of playing Kane and capable of playing anything else, Nidalee, capable of playing Kartus, capable of playing Poppy, then you know that you have a complete jungler. Because this idea of carnivore and herbivore jungler, this is all the same thing as people saying, oh, this is a passive jungler, passive AD carry. He's a he's a cleanup AD carry. He's a defensive player. Uh, he's a weak side. You know these are all just uh, you know these these are signs of weaknesses of a team. Did you meet uh, uh, Coyote? Asks. Did you meet Jensen at Worlds for all time's sake? I. Um, I did see him in the elevator. I said hello to him. I asked him if he's gonna play WoW Classic. He told me he's gonna play on North American server. Then I told him to go fuck himself. And that's it. He's a good dude. Jimmy asks, who has the biggest say on draft when you're on stage? The player or the coach? Depends on the situation. Depends on like the feeling of level of conviction in the moment. And it's a very democratic process where uh, in the end, you know, as as you commit into a moment, you give space to one another and so forth, you know? Uh, every weakness is a strength, though. And not necessarily. It's just a way of playing. If If that way of playing is correct for the moment at hand, it is good. But if you're defined by one of these characteristics and this is what you do every game, you're not a very strong player. You can be very good at one particular thing, but sometimes drafts 
and game states force you to be something else. Like sometimes in some games, maybe your bot side is losing. Yeah, then you want to make sure that you have like some prime the shy guy that is going to play so fucking aggressive that he's going to find some crazy opening to open up a lead. Maybe he's going to lose your game on the spot, but maybe he's going to give you winning chances in that moment. And that is the best potential. That's the best value play he could have done in that game because his bot is so doomed, right? Maybe you just go straight bot and, and, and ganks them, level 5 as a player. And in that moment, if you have some fucking defensive uh, cuck in the top lane, uh, he's not going to win you that game. Well, I'm a weak side player, I don't know what to do here. Then it's a very weak weakness. But then, if 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 it turns out the, the flip side, let's say your bot lane, uh, your bot lane is completely smashing, and the enemy player or enemy team, all they try to do, because they can't win 3v3s or 4v4s on both side, they're trying to gank you. But you're very clever. You ward around. You give up. You steal away the Grom from the enemy jungler. You chunk him. You place wards. You manage to steal waves with your own ultimate. Brilliant. Really fucking good. But it's not relevant every game, right? And sometimes you can force that playstyle as a team, but sometimes you run into walls where you need to face the truth. And that's the difference, right? You can be very strong at certain things, but maybe you can't do that certain thing always. Peanut is a good example. He had some good Sejuani games, did well in the regular split when he played a certain way, but Pioshik and, and uh, more importantly, Canyon really put a gun to his head and really showed the world the weakness of Peanut. Right? He looked very good for the majority of Summer Split, but then he didn't. How many retweets for an OnlyFans? I don't know. I asked my agent to have conversations with them, but uh, uh, nothing. Nothing came out of it. I don't know. Gappy asks, best players you have ever worked with? Mm, so it's a long list. Like, uh, best players I ever worked with, you know, the, the first people that come to mind is just, you know, the, the majority of this roster, like, I think this roster is amazing. Each individual is fucking amazing. Uh, like, Humanoid is insanely smart about the game, very unique character. Hilly is, is the crazy scientist, you know, he, he has also opened my mind in regards to, to many topics as well. Uh, upsets, I think he's, he's a super talent when it comes to the AD carry position, super talent. Wunder, what an absolute fucking engine to work with. Uh, Razor, the terms of the, like, the amount of growth, you know. The, the way Ivan takes criticism and takes it on the chin and, and does his best with it is, is truly good. Sometimes he can be a lazy fuck, but that's okay, you know. He's growing still. He's a young, young chap. He has a lot of potential. From past players, there's many. Like, there's Nukduk, Yankos, Chizuke, Kabushard, Fate, uh, Summit. Um, there's uh, Gorilla... There's, 
you know, I, I played personally with Reckless in the past, but I have very vague memories of him, so I, I shouldn't even list him. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I was just kind of name dropping. Kind of regret that I name dropped. I feel kind of find it feel kind of cringe. Let me think. Let me think. Mickey. Mickey is a good one. Buepo. Self-made. This fucking. This fucking guy. Self-made. What a fucking maniac, man. This guy has so much fucking potential, man. Can he just pull his own head out of his own ass? The thing is, Serpent has his, has his head in his ass, but instead of trying to figure out how to pull his head out of his ass, he finds it funny that his own head is in his ass. <laughs> so he laughs at it. <laughs> That's the best way for me to describe self-made. But this guy has, has talent. He has talent. He's so fucking funny, like self-made man. <laughs> he's, he's a gem for sure, man. <laughs> self-made. Okay, Adam is a character too, man. Bro. Fucking Adam, man. I could tell Adam a million things, man. I never knew if he listened to me, man. I don't know, man. Remember when I put on Adam's headset, I couldn't hear hear his teammates. Adam is in his own world, you know? In his own world where he, like, imagines how he pentacles with Darius or some shit. <laughs> There's Niski as well. Ah, Niski. Ah, Niski would be... Ah, he's too funny, man. We could be... I remember this moment. We were sitting at the table with Niski. Like, Upsil was like, yo, I, I had this dream. Then he's about to tell us about this dream. And then Niski comes into the room. I also had a dream, by the way. And we just look at him. And we're like, are you going to say about your dream? Or did you just want to jump in and say that you also had the dream, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> and we just start laughing. <laughs> Funny, Niski and Ivan, they did the same thing at the beginning of the split. And I was like, I will have none of this. Niski's like, ah, my coffee is so fucking bad today. I'm going to grieve today. <laughs> I'm going to run it down. And I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? The quality of the person, the, the effort of the person at Starbucks is going to define what you make out of the day. So I tell Niski, I was like, okay, Niski, LEC finals. I look at you. I see that your coffee has a different shade of brown. Should I be thinking, oh shit, we're doomed because the Starbucks person fucked up. Come on, Niski. <laughs> this is early in the season. Same, same thing with, with Ivan. Ah, ah, I do the content in the morning. Ah, today is going to be grief day. Like, fucking take control of your fucking self. <laughs> but these guys don't do this shit anymore. I can tell you that much. <laughs> uh, 
and this gives hunting to you that you should make his coffee? Nah. Okay, I think that's it for today's Voice of Yamato. I think it's time to, to play some League of Legends. Thank you very much for watching. This was a long one. Uh, peace.